Hi, my name is Aaron Linsdow. I'm a polar explorer and professional adventurer. In this video, I'm going to talk about nine different pieces of gear for extreme adventure like polar exploration. In this video, I'm going to talk about nine different pieces of gear or kit, as the Brits say, for your next extreme adventure. This idea was brought up by Michael Alfors. Thank you very much for making the request on my YouTube channel. The first item is our goggles. These things keep the wind off, the snow off, the blast off. Now, clearly goggles are not going to work in the rain because, well, uh, yeah, you don't need these guys in the rain. But when it's minus 50 degrees, the wind is blowing straight in your face and it's blizzarding. The only solution are goggles. Now, you can have your glasses and all that and that's great for mountaineering, but boy, when it starts blasting like on Denali, any of those other mountains like that, people always have goggles. Now, you look at these two goggles, you might say, oh, hey, they're pretty comparable, when in fact they aren't. These Jobo goggles, I think that's how they're pronounced, are actually double layer lens. So when you squeeze the lenses together, even though you're not supposed to touch them, they're actually two layers of lenses. And the theory is that that prevents frost from building up on the inside from the out. When you have a single layer, it is so easy to build up a frost layer on the inside of these goggles. Now, you'll notice I have two pairs of goggles. Why? because this happened to Todd Carmichael when he was in Antarctica. He was handling his tent, the wind got it, and the pole was whipping around and BOW! He took a tent pole at 50 miles an hour right across his face, shattered his goggles and bloodied him up a little bit, and there he was with no goggles. And I remember he told me, make sure you bring a backup pair because three months in Antarctica without goggles is not a winning proposition. So I did. But even though these are double layered, it got, I got so hot working out and hadn't figured everything out that I froze the inside of these. So I put these on. It didn't take too long to freeze that. So I've, even though you need goggles, always bring another pair of backup glasses because you can get away with a lot of stuff. But if you're blind in the outdoors, you got nothing going. So that is the first piece of gear is hardcore photochromatic, meaning the darker or the brighter it gets outside, the darker the lenses get. These are awesome. I'll put links below. The next item are socks. Socks are critical to your expedition wherever you might go. Now, as you can see here, I've got some Standard right socks, nice double line guys, are great for hiking in the summer, cruising around, and they make for a good liner sock. Here are some basic mid-weight hikers uh, by Smart Wool, that's who I usually go with. They work pretty well, and then you get up to these really heavy hiker and climber type socks, but when you really have to crank it up, <laughs> check these things out. They're as big as my head, and my head's pretty big. So. Just to give you an idea of comparison, here's some cool mesh socks, here's some regular hiker socks, here's some heavy warm socks, and then here are the mountaineering ridiculous socks. I love these things. Look how big they are. 
They literally, <laughs> I guess in a pinch, you could use as an arm thing. Now, I've used these on Denali and not anywhere else because they are, well, too hot. But one of the keys is you want to make sure to bring another liner sock inside of whatever sock you happen to use simply because you don't want to have to get blisters or anything hiking around. It's really pretty miserable. So these extreme mountaineering socks, <laughs> um, yeah, they're, I put them on and they're like, whoa, but they're only really good for like the summit of Denali and Everest, K2, places like that. So I, I couldn't even use these in Antarctica because, well, I, <laughs> I forgot I had them, but they were too warm actually for most of the time. So it does pretty well. Most of the time in Antarctica, I wore the heavier weight sock and the cool mesh liner because I was always working out. I was too hot. These guys are great for climbing because you tend to go quite slowly. It's not a uh, high sweat activity usually. So the next item are gloves. You need some hardcore gloves for hardcore outdoor expeditions. These two pairs of gloves, I don't know, there might be some other hardcore or more hardcore gloves than these, but I have yet to experience ones that I like. I've, I've received requests on my channel from different types of brands and outdoor research has done very well for me. There are mucklucks uh, from the Alaska Fur Company and all these places where they're, they're actually mittens that are uh, with beaver. I mean, I've seen the park rangers in Yellowstone use them. I mean, they are huge, but it's not that easy to use those in mountaineering or polar exploration. So these guys, <laughs> now compare that to say my regular Alpine gloves. They're in these work great in Antarctica. Yeah, check that out. There is no comparison between this glove and this glove. These are hardcore extreme. Now, I put, it's, it's about 68 degrees in here. I put my hand in this glove and it's already on fire. Now, when things go really sideways and it's uber cold, even as big as these gauntlet gloves are, you have to go with the mittens. And now, mittens are awkward as heck. They're very hard to grip and handle. But when you freeze off your fingers, all of a sudden you realize, <laughs> grip and handle. Now, you'll notice that I have these very thin, weak looking little liner gloves. And you would say, why would you need these liner gloves? Well, these liner gloves are what keep your fingers from dehydrating and splitting and cracking along the edges. So in polar exploration and extreme conditions, I always wear my liner gloves and I bring a couple pair because they get greasy. I, you can see I've damaged the fingers here. And I use these liner gloves inside of these polar mittens. <sighs> and man, even at the South Pole, minus 40 degrees, blasting 30 hundred winds, my fingers were still warm. They work really, really well. But one of the keys is bring multiple pairs because you use a pair in the day in your gloves, but at night you take these off and you put a dry pair on and you cycle back and forth. It works really, really well. The next thing is a vapor barrier liner. This liner goes inside of my sleeping bag and it's mylar covered. 
It is a nylon mesh, so it's very tough. It has worn quite well, plus it services as a very emergency bivy sack. But when I was still cold in my minus 40 degree bag in Antarctica in the beginning of November, when it was like 50 and 16, actually no, it was condition one. So that's hurricane force winds where I, I couldn't see past six feet outside of my tent raging. This thing allowed me to crawl in my bag, or I, like I crawled into this thing. It's kind of steamy and clammy. It's uncomfortable, but I stopped chattering my teeth. Now, not everybody would say, hey, this is a good choice, but for the weight that it costs you, I think it's about four ounces, and you're freezing your keister off, even if you've got the craziest sleeping bag in the world, you put this in, it won't be the most comfortable sleep, but you won't be cold and you will sleep. So vapor barrier liner, uh, multiple purposes, highly recommended in extreme conditions. The next thing to have is some sort of extreme jacket. You certainly can't go to some polar outpost in the middle of some uh, forsaken landscape without a jacket that looks cool. And it not only just looks cool, it actually has to function correctly. Now, as you can see here, this is only a shell and a poly sort of liner, but this jacket, I can only wear it when it's really cold and blasting. Otherwise, this jacket just gets too warm for me. Now, I have two purpose jackets. One is my Uber Mega Man down jacket for standing around freezing my keister off. And then I've got my parka for when I'm actually out dragging sleds and having fun with that. Now again, I will put links below. Some of these pieces of kit and gear are not available on Amazon. So I'll put the links to them so you can go check them out. And there you go. So if it's pretty stormy, I can put my hood up. And if it's horrible, I can put this guy like this and seal it up. And there you go. And this is the ultimate. So when the wind is blasting, the fur prevents the wind and the snow from coming in. It works incredibly well. This jacket, <laughs> yep, three months in Antarctica with winds facing me the entire time. Headwind the whole time. Crazy cold down to minus 100 wind chill. Whew, boy, this thing is highly, highly awesome. And let me show you the uber down sort of jacket you need. I've, I have mine by Andy Bauer first ascent, but there are North Face, Mammut, tons of vendors, a RAV. I don't know who else. Lots of vendors make a huge, this is called the Peak 15 jacket. A uh, throwback to Everest there, but this thing, uh, they call it the Michelin Man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it literally becomes a lightweight sleeping bag. I think this down jacket has, I would guess, almost half the amount of down as my entire Megalite sleeping bag. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, yeah, as you can see, it's huge. All right. So after getting a good jacket for extreme conditions, what do you need next? But some extreme boots. As you can see here, I have ver my various sets of mountaineering boots, my polar ski boots, my double boots. Uh, the these two are the most ridiculous boots I've got. 
The, the uh, La Sportiva cubes are great, although down to at five degrees, my toes are cold at a zero. Yeah, I wasn't terribly comfortable when I was standing around. When I was climbing, it's pretty good. Come into the double mountaineering boots, the Baronse. I'll put video links to all this stuff below. These things, uh, I haven't used them on Denali because I would have to get over boots at 17,000 feet. They're just not warm enough at that altitude, but at least for me. So these things, I only had slightly cool toes on Elbrus when I was sitting outside waiting to move. So that, that's a thing there. But for extreme, extreme conditions like going to the top of Everest and K2 or whatever, the Olympus Mons and the, um, I always pronounce it Malay, but it's probably Millet because it's French or Italian. Sorry, I, I never remember. And these are triple boots. They're I think about five pounds or two and a half kilos each. Ridiculous. These are some extreme condition boots, but they're no good for skiing because they, they're not set with the proper type of rocker. Enter the Alpha Mordre Pro. <laughs> These things are custom ordered from Norway. Uh, the, the liners alone are like 200 bucks and you got to ship them. So these guys in New York uh, charge you customs. It's freaking crazy. By the time you're done and you get the liners and all that, you're, you're, you're pushing towards 2000 bucks on these things, depending if you get your last year's model or all that. They were expensive as heck for me. They're three pin bindings. Uh, they did get, uh, my toes did get cold in Antarctica, but it was you know, minus 50 again. That's like minus 50, 50 mile an hour winds and overcast, no sun, complete white out. So as I was skiing and going along, I really had to kick stomp to keep my toes warm, but they did a pretty good job. So when you go into extreme conditions, you need some hardcore extreme boots. And what would the next thing be in extreme gear but sleeping bags? <laughs> now, there are uh, two sleeping bags I have for my extreme adventures and conditions. One is the Western Mountaineering Puma, beautiful teal or whatever color this is. It's rated to minus 20, minus 25. I have slept in this bag at minus 45. It was chilly. I didn't own a vapor barrier liner at the time. Wish I did. Would have made a big difference. But uh, this does work at minus 45. I just don't recommend it. So when you know you're going to be freezing your keister off and you're in the most extreme locations on earth, there are a few bags that are actually rated for it. One is the Western Mountaineering Bison. Yeah, it's just this big. It's literally five pounds or like five and a half pounds or two and a half kilos pushing three kilos of <laughs> northern european goose down by the way the company doesn't go whack the geese and collect the feathers no or the down no they actually the geese wander around then there's a crew that goes out and uh, picks it from the uh, like from the nesting area it's insane that's why it's so expensive they don't kill the geese to get the down they, the company. Instead, the harvester literally waits for the geese to go out and then they collect all the down, the geese come in. It's a ridiculous process. This bag, uh, minus 40, I've used it in Antarctica and 
that was it. It's just too warm. Even on Denali, I can use my minus 20 bag, even though it's minus 30 with the sun out. It's a huge difference. The minus 40 bag though, in Antarctica when it was extremely cold, I did have to put my vapor barrier liner in there because I was sick, coughing up blood. <laughs> Bad news. There is a bag that's rated to minus 60 by Feathered Friends. I think it's called the snowy owl i'll put a link below people have said they've been in fairbanks and slept that on their deck when it's minus 70. there you go that would be too cold for this bag by itself a vapor barrier liner so if you feel like you want to go to alaska and sleep outside in the open uh yeah there you go so there's some extreme condition gear for you and then the last thing you might need is a tent of course now, the theories about tents are as many as, you know, options for sandwiches, literally, and I'm not making that up. These are tunnel tents. I prefer that Hilleberg design. Uh, I've, I've soloed in Greenland in the Arctic with the MSR Hubba tent, which probably wasn't the best choice, but I had to backpack it. So it had to be light and I did take a risk. Now. Most of the time you'll see the guided teams on Denali using Hilleberg tunnel tents. Like this is the, uh, the Karen 3 GT. I'll put a link below to the video that I did and where I can buy it. This is the Namage 2 that I took with me. Three months in Antarctica, it's still serviced. This has gone with me on two expeditions on Denali for, I don't know, a month and a half total. Pretty crazy these things handle extreme weather this survived category one and category two level storms in antarctica meaning hurricane force and then ultra gale force sort of winds amazing loud as heck it's crazy i'm not going to take this tent out obviously it's a major production uh, my expedition partner and i are going to go to Greenland using the Karen 3 GT tent. Ah, oh, geez, ouch. This thing is a monster. But boy, when you put the tent up, you spread out and you have to repair gear and you're living in there together and you don't want to be on top of each other. This bad boy is the way to go. That said, with these extreme tents, I've seen people in light duty, single wall tents on Denali, including uh, this team, uh, two guys, of Polish climbers that I climbed with, they had just this tiny light little tent. Now, it was double walled, but whew, boy, the, the Polish climbers, those guys are hardcore. And I saw a couple of Nepalese climbers in an even lighter tent. I mean, that thing looked like it was from Walmart. Granted, it's probably a $300 ultra whatever tent, but the thing about those ultra light tents in Denali is you can go super light, but you have to make sure to build up your huge snow, huge snow wall. Otherwise your tent will get destroyed. When I set my tent up in, on Denali and it was windy, flap, 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 I build, build like a two foot snow wall. I don't care. My friends that I met that had real light duty tents, they had to build a six foot snow wall. So yes, your tent is light and you have to carry it, but you can't set that thing up until you build the snow wall. My Hilleberg tent, I could just stomp out the area, set up my tent, get it going, 
and then build a snow wall, that's a huge, huge difference rather than having to sit out there and freeze your keister off, put the snow wall up and then maybe get your tent in. This thing is like, I wouldn't say it's invincible, but there you go. So hopefully this video has been helpful to you of the nine different pieces of gear for extreme adventures like polar exploration. My name's Aaron Linsdow. I'm a polar explorer and professional adventurer. Please like and comment on the video, and if you found it helpful, subscribe to the channel. Thank you very much for watching.